Spycross. I am Deputy Dean and Lead Nurse at London Southwick University and the Editor of Evidence-Based Nursing. And I'm delighted to welcome uh, Professor Linda Shields to record this podcast with me today. And we're going to be talking about the commentary she wrote for the journal, Education Needed to Enhance Inclusive, Non-Discriminatory Nursing Practice Towards Lesbian, Gay and Bisexual Parents. So Linda, before we discuss this really important research, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Linda Shields. I'm the Professor of Rural Health at Charles Sturt University in Bathurst, New South Wales, in Australia. I'm a paediatric nurse. Uh, I am also a credentialed children and young people's nurse, which is an innovative uh, thing here in Australia. I think I'm the first academic to be able to be able to say that I've met all the requirements. So that's very impressive. Very impressive. (laughs) Um, We're delighted that you can join us today. Thank you, Alison. Before we talk about the commentary, tell us about your interest in in this area of um, the care that's provided to lesbian, gay and bisexual parents. Well, it came about from my long-standing research interest in the way children are cared for in health services. But I realised that there were vulnerable groups within the community for whom a child coming into a health service was even more difficult than for parents and families and children from the non-marginalised groups, from the mainstream groups. And A paper came out some years ago about LGBT parents and how they tried to access healthcare for their children. So it made me look and see, were they disadvantaged in the healthcare system because of their sexual orientation? Because that would mean that if they would if they felt uncomfortable or disadvantaged, then there was a possibility that they would feel not comfortable bringing their children for health care. And that meant there was a possibility that children might be missing out on health care. So I tried to set up a series of studies to investigate this. And one arm of the study went really, really well, and the other arm was very difficult. And this is exactly what Anderson and and her co-authors found when they did the study on which we wrote the commentary. The problem is that it's very difficult to engage with people who aren't comfortable about telling anyone that their, their sexual orientation is different to the mainstream. That means that it's very difficult to get them to engage in research. So we did these wonderful studies about LGBT parents seeking health care for their children, and we got some really interesting data. But the parents that we were able to engage were all highly educated, all from professional groups and all very capable of navigating their way around health systems for their children. The other side of the study that we did 
made us even more worried because we used a set of validated questionnaires and asked nurses, doctors and allied health professionals in health services at various levels to complete them. We also included uh, nursing and medical students. And across all those studies at various different levels of hospitals and settings, we found that the scores from these questionnaires demonstrated quite a high level of homophobia by the health professionals. Now that's really, really worrying when you think that health professionals encounter uh, parents and children from LGBTQI groups. Does it mean that they are going to give them a lower quality healthcare encounter than children and families from the mainstream? We don't know. We, unless we're able to engage with a whole range of LGBTQI families, we're really not going to get to the nub of this. And it's very worrying because it might mean, we don't know if it does, but it might mean that children are missing out on healthcare. I think I remember seeing the original paper and pausing and thinking about these parents and, and their children not necessarily getting the, the, the care that, that, that they needed and perhaps being put off accessing healthcare services, which clearly isn't something we want. And I guess I'm a little bit worried about the evidence of homophobia that you've uncovered. And before we discuss the commentary you wrote, can you tell us a little bit more about that and what we could do to address it? Well, our findings fitted in very well with other studies in the area in that if a person, in our case, health professional, filling in the questionnaire, had a person in their own family or in their friends, amongst their friends who were LGBT, they were much more likely to be less homophobic or not be homophobic at all. Uh, their political orientation was important as, and their religious orientation. People from the right of politics uh, who are, and with conservative thoughts, conservative opinions were more likely to have homophobic attitudes towards people. So our research was new in that very little had been done about health professionals across the board. And I think it's an area that really needs to continue. One of our recommendations were that people try and work out a way to develop education programs that were easily accessible for nurses, doctors, allied health staff when they encountered a, a, a LGBT family. When you drill down, you find that it's not because people really have homophobic attitudes, although some do, of course, but because they, they feel a little uneasy that they might say something that will offend. We imagine things like apps on phones on, and um, perhaps cards on sitting on a GP's desk. So it was really good to see Anderson's research come out 
um, a study of um, parents' experiences of nurses' attitudes in child health care. Again, though, they ran into exactly the same problem that we ran into. The parents they interviewed were all highly qualified, highly educated, and could navigate the intricacies of the health system. And so we're much less likely to have a negative encounter in the health system because they could navigate it properly. So we, we already know that if professional middle-class parents are, are better able to access healthcare anyway, whatever yep. their sexual orientation. So yep. potentially the LGBT parents who um, aren't from a professional background are doubly disadvantaged. Yes. Um, as with many hard-to-reach groups, with both you and Anderson and her colleagues struggled to recruit them to this study, so it's difficult to know what would help. Yes, it is really difficult. And then you, it gets even more complex when you throw in other characteristics. For example, are there Aboriginal LGBT parents seeking health care for their children? Are there refugee families? But it's really important that we try and do it because these families are so vulnerable. How we do it, I don't really know. If anyone listening to this podcast has any bright ideas, we'd love to hear from them. No, please, please, please do send us your ideas if you've had success in this area or can um, help Linda and her team and others access these vulnerable and, and hard to reach groups. It, it does seem like there's an awful lot of research we still need to do in order to make sure we're, we're giving the, 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 this uh, specific group of parents and their children the, the opportunity, the chance to access healthcare um, yes. as, they, as they need to. And there's another group, Alison, that are really, really important to include in this. We haven't found anything, and nor have we done it, um, doing research with the children themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really important. Um, and I wonder whether there's a difference between, like in London, where I work, there are lots of same-sex parents and yep. an increasing number. However, in, in, in Buckinghamshire, where I live, there, there probably aren't as many. And it would be interesting to see if there was a difference in experiences in the healthcare system in London compared to the healthcare system in Buckinghamshire, or, 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 or a similar example. Yes, and um, certainly that would be very relevant in Australia. You, I'm sure same-sex families in the middle of Sydney where the gay Mardi Gras is held every year have very different experiences to same-sex families who live in tiny country towns way out in the middle of Australia somewhere. Um, it's, it's a really interesting topic. You've talked about the limitations of Anderson's study. We've talked about the important findings. Are there any specific implications of Anderson's study for healthcare professionals and nurses in particular? You, Anderson's work really found things like uh, the nurses thought the parents had a sense of marginalisation and on the other hand being respected for who you are were the two main themes. It's, it's good that uh, Anderson's studies brought these out. Being respected for who you are is something that's very 
topical, not just in LGBTIQ communities, but across all different ethnic groups and, and religious groups. And it's just a matter of nurses accepting people for who they are. It's a little bit sad. I find it very sad that we're in 2018 yep, and yep. people still aren't accepted for who they are. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And if nurses are still not accepting them for who they are, nurses are supposed to be some of the most tolerant people that we can have. That's part of being a nurse is to be, in, be tolerant of whoever comes to us for care, we give that care. If nurses can't help those people, then who can? So it's, it is worrying that these attitudes are still occurring in nurses, and it's across the world. Yeah, this is... it, it's, in, in England, Health Education England have required pre-registration healthcare courses to do valued-based recruitment since 2014, I think it was. And in my, in my current role, I'm accountable for recruitment across the whole of the school. Mm -hmm. And it is making me think whether we should build something into our multiple mini interviews in order to assess whether people are homophobic or prejudiced in, 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 in any way. That's mm. definitely something that I'm going to go away and think about, albeit it's not that the necessarily one of the key findings of the research, but it's making me think. And yep. what does it mean for recruitment to our pre-registration nursing courses? Yeah. Because I think educating people who are already in the profession is needed, but how are we going to um, ensure that we're getting people with the right attitudes? We did this research around LGBT parents seeking healthcare for their children. But what about other vulnerable groups seeking healthcare for their children? So that seeking healthcare for their children is the important phrase. So if you're uh, an asylum seeker family, how are the health professionals you encounter going to relate to you? Is the healthcare that you're going to get the same as everybody else would get? Families where there's domestic violence, parents seeking health care for their children. Families where the parents have a disability and they're seeking health care for their children. So any family where the, the, the parents are from a minority or disadvantaged group, but they're still trying to get health care for their children the same as everybody else, are they disadvantaged because of who they are and are their children missing out on healthcare because they can't comfortably interact with the health professions with whom they come in contact? So I've got one last question for you. If listeners were to take away one key message from this podcast, what would you want it to be? That they need to find out before they encounter any LGBTIQ parents, how best to talk with them. The correct use of pronouns, the correct use of terms that are acceptable within that community so that the parents feel comfortable. If the parents feel comfortable, they'll happily bring their children and the children won't miss out on healthcare. Okay, I think that's a great point. Uh to finish on 
And Linda, I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to record this podcast with, with me today. I, for one, I think I have a much greater insight into this area and have got food for thought. And I hope that our, our listeners, listeners do too. So thank you very much. Thank you, Alison, for asking me to do it. It's been a great pleasure. If you'd like to join in the discussion about any of the issues Linda and I have talked about today, please tweet them at EBNursingBMJ. We look forward to hearing your views. Remember that you can go to the EBN website and download the commentary. Education needed to enhance inclusive, non-discriminatory nursing practice towards lesbian, gay and bisexual parents. The EBN website is www.ebn.bmj.com. Thank you.